Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello. My name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Yeah, right. Crazy. Hello and welcome to episode number 87 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. At the end of this podcast, in the outro... I want to tell you about my handmade, hand-painted dark stars. So after the podcast, stay tuned and I'll tell you all about them. This week I'm taking you to meet someone that has been a visual artist and a musician stroke songwriter for as long as he can remember. Performing on his own as Mr Solo and later as lead singer of David Devon and his spirit wife, Mikey Georgeson enjoyed closely interacting with his audience something that he brought along to his visual work. Lee Ainsworth invited me along to the Roundhouse in Islington several years ago to go and see David Devon and his spirit wife, and they really were something quite amazing. And funnily enough, last year, Mikey was sat in the audience of the auditorium when I was given a talk at the University of East London. Mikey Johnson is a multidisciplined artist that uses everything from painting, drawing, video, installation, uh, performance, everything gets used in his practice. And in 2019, after five years studying, Mikey was awarded a doctorate at the University of East London. Now I'm not going to be talking here in the intro about Mikey's work, because he does it oh so eloquently himself. So please, come with me and meet Mikey Georgeson. Do you use the B in your name? Oh, what? My B? Benedict. Yeah, I saw that Instagram is Mikey B. Yeah. Because you mentioned the B when you spoke to Stu. Oh, you said, oh, I thought you was going to use the B. Yeah. So I don't know whether you was saying to him that you use the B yeah. or yeah. You, you don't. Yeah. So I thought I'd ask. I don't know if I can post-rationalise it, Gary, but I think it's... You know, my tendency to take everything and make it matter for expression. So, like, names. Yeah. I just keep changing it. I love it. that attitude. Oh, Mikey yeah. B. Georgeson. That sounds funny. Or that's that's yeah. uh, tactile. I'll add that. Yeah. And then my friend Mark Dizani is uh, a DJ on Radio Caroline. And he lives, ha- oh, yeah, nice. he lives half the year in a, a hilltop principality. It is literally a principality called Saborga. Wow. And we went out to stay with him. And the night I got there, he interviewed me uh, to, like from midnight to two in the morning. <laughs> it was like, uh, I'd been thinking, oh, yeah, I've achieved a lot by arriving here. No, you've got to do an yeah. interview now. And um, I sat down with him in his little studio. 
to do the interview and he's got his mixing desk and I'm just sitting there with the headphones on. And then suddenly this voice comes into my headphones. Hello, uh, and it's an amazing uh, radio station. And I'm here with Mikey B. Georgeson. And I looked round and it was actually Mark. And I was like... Yeah. Uh, but that's, uh, that sort of reinforced my love of that uh, Mikey B. Georgeson. Yeah. So uh, that's why one of the reasons I started using it, I think, is good. Just to change it. It's it one it. of those moments where you think, who's that? Oh, it's me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, continually having those moments. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of artists talk, I mean, you might have even talked about that. The imposter syndrome is quite no. I've come to the decision that anyone who hasn't had it is an imposter. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I think that is probably <laughs> very true. Yeah. I have um, seven questions, Mikey, that I ask each artist. Yeah. The first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Yeah, uh, that's a good... I suppose uh, the short answer is, you know, I'm a multidisciplinary artist interested in the relational experience of the emergence of understanding and meaning, shared meaning, through... A relational experience and I and I can do that in a multidisciplinary way um, yeah so that's a one answer I suppose um, I just finished a doctorate last year and what I uh, found on that was this idea of aesthetic machines and um, they are creating a space where I can understand through feeling, or, and the audience understands with me through feeling, and and the excess of meaning beyond uh, conceptual engagement as a very real part of our collective understanding. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah and that the reason I mention that is because it enabled me to realise that uh, oh, I'm a songwriter and a painter. And I, I really love making films and and they are all my capacities. So fulfilment of capacities is something that I'm on the side of. You know, I don't want anything that inhibits that. I think it's good to promote a creative, expansive, operating at full, uh, full potential. So then, with a create with a, an aesthetic machine, I was able to just happily combine painting, songwriting, singing, poems, constructing, building, and working with my friend John, who helps me build things in the garden. He becomes part uh-huh. of my art, and our relationship is not something that's hidden from the work. All those areas you mentioned there, have they always been interlinked or was it through doing a doctorate that you sort of yeah, put them yeah. all in together? Well, that's it. It's um, because uh, culturally, you know, we kind of operate on a system of separation. So oh, you've got to choose something, exactly. like the careers, yeah. ad- careers yeah. advisor. And I once was in a relationship with a lovely lady, lovely girl, who told me I should pick one thing. And that was because at that time I w- I'd just formed a band and I was also an artist and and I thought, no, I, I don't want to pick one thing. Um, and, but it took me 20 years and the doctorate to kind of find uh, the writers and the thinkers that helped me kind of put that in a context. Um, yeah. So that I wasn't like a painter who did songs, because I, yeah. I was with a gallery who um, has, have been very supportive of me. I was still in touch with them, Sartorial Art, run by Greta uh, Sarfati, and I'm still collaborating with her. Um, but even then, I still got a sort of sense that, oh, yeah, Mikey's a painter, and he does songs. But, but the doctorate helped me bring them all together in that. Nice. Yeah. And how did you, 
How did you find it there at UEL, at University of East London? Yeah, yeah. I, the doctorate was so hard, but fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've... I've told other people, I, I once saw a therapist and told them that I felt like I needed this challenge, something that was going to really stretch me creatively yeah. and intellectually. And I think that was the doctorate, but I did it 20 wow. years later. But it's great how these <laughs> things come along. You know, if you would have found it, then maybe it weren't the time for it. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a big believer in that. I think the the timing of things helps to make things uh helps you to own your understanding of something I, I was in prison for years um and i discovered art while i was in there and that was yeah. in when in my mid-20s yeah and like i say to so many people if i would have discovered art yeah. when i was at school or you know even yeah. after i'd left school yeah my, i wouldn't have done all of that i wouldn't be in prison because yeah. art did change my life you know yeah. it'd give me a completely 180 degree yeah. look on life you yeah know? and it, and if i would have found it younger I, I wouldn't have been there but then again yeah without that experience i wouldn't be the uh, absolutely I am, and, and you're worse you're m- much richer i completely agree with that attitude i don't think there's any point in looking back and but, you know those if you could change something in your life blah 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 it's like no i'm here this is what's emerging, and that and that's part of that sort of idea of always being in the middle of, yeah. And that I think is it's a sort of positive, vitalist approach to mm. to life. You know, it's yeah. like well, the, that bad point in mind has become the narrative throughout everything I've done since. Yeah. yeah well, I I was at your talk, and I, you know, immediately got that uh, sense of. Yeah, it's not about regret. It's about what comes out, what yeah, emerges definitely. from that. Yeah, yeah. They scared the life out of me. Them talks, you know. Oh yeah, it's a big theatre, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very, <laughs> very. I've um, never spoken in that theatre, so no. Like... Well, before I'd done it a couple of years before. Yeah, and we was in where was we? We wasn't there. I think we was in the the um, the new building, and that was that was okay. Yeah, but then when um, yeah when they told me I was doing it in that theatre, yeah, fucking hell, me old uh, me heart, <laughs> yeah, me heart went a bit, and that is a that's quite an intimidating place to stand. And yeah, yeah, it's good to do know. though, isn't it? Yeah, it gets the adrenaline yeah. going. <laughs> but I've got to say, within two or three minutes, I'd I'd forgotten that you know uh, once yeah, the nerves yeah. went. Um, I, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Didn't you didn't seem nervous? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not outside possibly, but inside of them. But yeah, oh, I, yeah. The, the people you work with at UEL. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll always bang the drum of of UEL yeah. from my time there. It yeah. was bloody amazing. So so yeah. were the tutors, and I've been yeah. in touch with. I left there in ninety. Uh, sorry, two thousand four. Yeah, and I've, I'm still in touch with many of the tutors there. Yeah, yeah, no, like they're 16 great. Sixteen years later, is... Gary's Gary's on the doctorate as well, isn't he? Yeah, Docker. Gary's finished it. Yeah, yeah. He's I love Gary. He's yeah. great, isn't he? Yeah, his work's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I've seen, seen it for a few years. Yeah, but I saw him. Um, I think was it when I gave my talk? Well, it might have been a little while. No, it was when I gave my talk. I think. Yeah. I was with Gary then. Yeah. Is he still working there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All beavering away. We're all getting ready for the new term of, dual, of what they call dual delivery, you know, online. If we yeah, all yeah. have to suddenly retreat, we have to be able to keep it going. And, and uh, what, what are you doing at UEL now? Yeah, I, I do um, contextual studies and... Um, that's on foundation recently i've been working with the ma students nice. uh emma mcguire do you know emma you must emma, know she's, yeah, yeah she's I'm, i helped her do her third year show when she was a student i was ah, paired fantastic. with her to assist her and she's been yeah she's been me, me mate ever since she's, ah. she's coming on here we just yeah. couldn't tie the date down oh cool yeah well emma um over lockdown i invited me in to help assess the ma fine art and uh, they've built a virtual reality exhibition, which has um, blown my mind, really. 
in terms of how the lockdown virtual experience has sort of compressed learning into something really intense and yeah. uh, explosively uh, accelerational. You know, it's like people have learned stuff which might take a whole year within a month because they're putting on this big scale exhibition in a virtual mm. environment and we're able to talk to them as curator, curatorial assistants and yeah. and something like that you just could not do within a, an analog space yeah yeah um and also you know that the virtual relationship it means that you the feedback is much quicker and then you can see them learning from it putting on this ambitious show uh you know one student who's a photographer just had uh had the walls completely black at one point and and we suggested just lightening them a bit and can you imagine how long that would take in a real yeah, world exactly but, but lightening it just suddenly turned it into an experience rather than yeah. something that was like a sort of just flat picture yeah definitely yeah well i was talking to i've done a podcast with a uh, richard wilson the sculptor yesterday yeah and he was saying how um this sort of technology has moved on, advanced, 10 yeah. years in the last six months. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's amazing the, the, the things that we're all having to do and, you know, uh, the, the hurdles we're, we're sort yeah, of crossing uh, over as artists, uh, you know? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think what sort of happened is there's a sort of chink or a crack in, uh, in the structure that the uh, institution couldn't fill and we've filled that and it's become uh, very progressive and technologically exciting because yeah. we're I suppose we're like artists colonizing this virtual space because we've had to and using it very creatively I've I mean the students I work with have all really blossomed through yeah developing what I call a sense of your agency, which is, uh, you know, I used to wonder about where my ideas come from, especially you know, when I, uh, I formed a band called David Devon and his spirit wife, and we had some success, you know, and I wrote music that I'd never kind of dreamt that I would write before, and, um, and it used to bother me that I could do this and I didn't really know what was happening because it didn't feel like I was thinking it up. I was kind of yeah. living it through a relational experience and kind of an exuberance for what we were doing. And uh, I think that's what I would call agency is like understanding that that process is part of your identity as a creative, as a, as a, an intelligent human. Yeah. Um, it's not just the bit at that at school where you learn to answer questions in a certain way that can actually rob people of their sense of agency hmm. um so yeah. would there be you, you're talking about david devant and your spirit wife yeah is there um any similarities in the way you approach creating a song yeah. to how you approach creating a painting a drawing an artwork yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, writing a chord sequence is different to, like, struggling with, uh, you know, how to lay down formal colour and paint on a painting. But they're, they're very similar in that there's... I, I get pleasure from working... Oh, that's, that's the chord sequence that I want. I can hear that. Oh, and I found it. And I found how that blue relates to that blue. And I, my way into that could be from an idea or a lyric or a tune. And yeah. uh, likewise, I'm, I'm doing a painting at the moment called The Case of the Missing Shade of Blue. Uh, and that could be a song. It could be a painting. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, it's a painting, which I then thought oh that could be a film because i meditate so i film nice. myself meditating in front of the painting yeah yeah um so that's that's the thing that the doctorate helped me uh validate you know i, I suppose a lot of artists we want a context to feel valid that you know because we're all we're not uh completely 
uh, invulnerable. So well, while it's being created, Mike, it's only you that believes in it, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. once it's created, then you've got to try and convince other people yeah, to believe yeah. in that as well. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 and, and validate it, like you just say. Uh, well, I think as well. One of the things that I find myself saying to students a lot, uh, well. At least once a term is uh, I'll go. I'll look at an artist, say like El Greco, and yeah. I'll go. No one told him to go and do that kind of art. There was no one doing it. You know the way he kind of totally bent the rules of perspective, made figures expressive, made the landscape a sort of manifestation of his interior life. There was yeah. no one round to validate that and go, uh, well done, El Greco. You've, <laughs> I think you should go and do this kind of yeah. groundbreaking art. So it's like you say, yeah, yeah, there's, it's just you that believes in it. You know, it's like, I didn't know, is there an art form where you're allowed to meditate in front of a painting? What's that called? I mean, so I came up with aesthetic machines. So then nice. ev everything yeah. I do, that's an aesthetic machine. Because yeah. it's it's relational, creates an environment for other people to engage, and and we. Yeah, can I mean, all... the reason I ask that question is because, as you were saying there, I I don't know audio. You know, I, I've, yeah. I've been doing a podcast for two years. Yeah. And when it comes to editing, I had no idea how to edit, but yeah. the only way I could um, associate myself with it was use it as I do Photoshop, as in yeah. the cutting and pasting and putting together. Yeah, and then I see them all as 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 shapes now, rather than noises. If you know what I mean. Ah, uh, wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Do you know the uh, the artist uh, Burial? Yeah, he. I found out about him because of the uh, the writer K Punk, who was. Uh, oh yeah, I know K Punk. Yeah, uh, and he talked about Burial, and so I looked into Burial. And he he uh, just broke all the rules with sound. You know, he took lots of sound off YouTube videos and he very much edited his music like videos, I think. So yeah. um, it's a bit like when I, I first started making artist books. It's not something I've done recently, but I, I just sort of felt, had this sense of looking around going, am I allowed to just like make books like this? And, and take them to shops and yeah, they did yeah. you know and like they went all over the world which which was you know really rewarding but it's uh you know you make your own methodology that's the word they use on the doctorate what's your methodology and i suppose a lot of the time people might look to other people's methodologies but when we where we get innovation is like you're saying is uh find your own method and yeah. then and spend time enjoying it and doing it. Go with what you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I got criticised a, a couple of years ago. I put a group show together. Yeah. Um, but the the whole idea of the group show was just a concept yeah. work of art, which included using 30 artists' work as found objects. Yeah. I, I put down that it's a group show and a one-man show. Or a solo yeah. show, yeah, because of the concept. And I was getting criticised that I can't call it a one-man show if there's twenty-nine other artists yeah. in it. Yeah. But my thing was, well, yeah. the whole thing was a conceptual piece of artwork. Well, I, I, I completely get that. It's relational. Um, it's, it's about the emergence. And in a way, you know, I'm talking about how you can take every part of life and treat it as matter for expression. And you gathering these artists is part of that uh, concept. Yeah. You know, my concept is that concepts emerge out of a felt experience mm. uh, rather than the art following our, on from a concept. So that's, a, that's my concept. <laughs> <laughs> Was there art in your family growing up? Well, yeah. That, um, I had to write about that in my doctorate. Uh, thing, thesis they call it because uh, my dad was my art teacher my father was my art teacher and my fellow students ended up calling him dad 
you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we can, why can't we? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, but that, uh, I was talking to my dad the other day about his paintings uh, because I think they must have been very influential on me. I, you know, I can remember them individually and they are sort of within that uh, freeze of paintings that have influenced me. You know, there's one, A Still Life of a Clown and uh, an oil lamp that he did, which, you know, I, I've got there alongside uh, Stuart Davis, jazz abstracts. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's a great painter. We had a show in 2009 at the Bear Gallery in Camberwell called uh, Father, Son and Holy Smoke. Uh, so it was like his paintings and my paintings and then the event, you know, what? because yeah, I wanted yeah. to see what it would be like if we showed paintings together. Uh, what, what, what will happen? You know, that, <laughs> I th- I th- you know, that sense... And did they sit well together? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's, he's much more uh, formal than me, yeah. I suppose, and he's interested in formal issues, you know, colour composition but we both love paint and uh, I suppose he gave me my love of paint yeah. uh, he, he's technically he's a fucking excellent uh, painter I don't you nice. know there's not many in terms well, of you know what quite prominent in yours isn't it yeah yeah well I think um, like a lot of art students I was sort of put off colour at art school <laughs> because it's like oh you can't do that you can't put that colour there, and yeah. you've got to know your theory. And at some point, uh, I just I went down to the print room because I started making big monoprint linos, and I was just by myself mixing up the colours. And I was thinking of sweet shops, and when you go in a sweet shop, and all those colours, and the, yeah, yeah. the, the joy of that, and I just went from there, really, you know, and... And I think, you know, that doesn't mean I'm abandoning my sense of tonality and what colours do together and and assimilating theory as I go. But yeah. it also means that I, I want to dive into colour uh, and feel how they work. It's a bit like we were saying earlier about using audio technology. You know, how it sounds and is what is important so whether your mic is cheap or expensive so likewise mm. with color does it does it work what's it doing how do you feel you know that these are all yeah, yeah. aesthetic things that because you do you're working intuitively it doesn't mean you're abandoning your ability to make decisions no no <laughs> yeah so. when was it you decided you wanted to be an artist uh yeah good question and and i sort of thought about this because i knew i was I was going to talk to you, like, at, uh, <laughs> um, because, you know, I was at, I, at school, I think uh, I wanted to be a good pupil. And, and I, so I kind of assimilated that careers advice attitude, which is sort of reductionist. And I was going to be an illustrator because, you know, oh, I like art. And I want to make a living, and yeah. so I, and I went to Chelsea School of Art, and uh, and my tutors were all painters, so it was like ah something you know, it's like my horizons expanded. Having thought I, I'd be like Janet and John, nice pictures. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I looked over at this person doing the massive collage monoprint. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, that's different. And then there were these illustrators, Archer and Cornell, uh, who are still still around doing different things. Magda's married to Harry Hill, Magda Archer. Oh, yeah. And, and I looked in their studio, and they had like a fake poo in the middle of a frame, and it said Naughty Fido. Uh, that's just like, oh, so that's illustration. But then uh, what I was thinking about is... Uh, how I I just thought I'm not going to be a musician um, at that point. I, I think I'll, I formed a band at art college, but, you know, it wasn't to 
really do anything. And then when I went, I moved to Brighton for my MA, which was part-time, and I found myself immersed in like this maelstrom of uh, aesthetic, creative relations. And something, it was like tapped into me, and it was like, oh, you, you can just be this completely other thing. Uh, yeah. Because the other guys in the band had all done fine art. And um, so, again, I'd relate that to my understanding of myself is that, you know, I didn't really, I've never kind of thought in terms of uh, cause and effect and determinism and like de deciding. It's more about like moving through life, feeling where my passions are and following that. And, yeah. and that. I guess is when I wanted to be an artist when I joined David Devont and his spirit wife. <laughs> well, you definitely use um, art. Art definitely features in in your gigs. I've yeah. been to less than a handful of gigs in my life. Yeah, I'm not very good with crowds. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, I think I've been to three, possibly four gigs ever. Yeah, one of them was David Devont and his spirit wife. Oh, my what? friend Lee. Yeah who's a, a big fan, He's, he yeah. he said about years and I come along and yeah. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I'm yeah. not just saying that because, you know, because we're speaking to you, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah oh. absolutely loved it. What what a gig it was. At the Roundhouse it was, in his uh, Yeah, yeah. Probably well, 2004, <laughs> round about the end when I finished uni. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that have been about the time of our third album, Power Words for Better Living. Uh, might have even been the launch for that album. I, I, yeah, I but that that's know. that was all about balloon animals. I got because I had got kids at that point; they were quite young, and uh, so I would entertain them by I taught myself how to make balloon animals, yeah. and it was like, oh, this is my new art form, <laughs> my new metier, and uh, <laughs> so it it wasn't a gig where we got the crowd to. Tie balloon animals. It it wasn't not not that I can remember. I mean, yeah. I was I was quite near the back. I, I, yeah. I can't be around. You know, I can't be yeah. near the front. But yeah. I, all, all I can remember is Auntie Mabel. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm sorry, I don't know the, the real title of the well, song. No, that <laughs> that is I'm I've always been hard to pin titles down. It is called Auntie Mabel, but the chorus is I'm not even going to try. Oh, I yeah. love it. I just, I, so, I, I really, re it sounds like I'm brown nosing here, I know, but I, I loved that. Yeah. I loved, to, it felt like I was being, like, pulled in by the other audience members, yeah. you know, to, well, to, join, well, us too. to join them at that point. Yeah, I talk about that stuff. It's like, there's so much to process by being involved in David Devont and Spirit Wife, because... Yeah. Uh, Unlike my previous musical incarnations where I was sort of striving to think it up, I'm like an audience member in David Devont. And, yeah. you know, I Excellent. am there writing songs and doing stuff, but the stuff that seems to come out of it, I don't completely understand, and I understand yeah. it through the audience as well, just like this is Well, insane. I've seen... I did, I did make a note here... I did see a little quote that you put, or, or sorry, I don't even think it was your quote. Yeah. But it said that the the it was talking about um, trope at the Royal Standard in Liverpool, oh, yeah. and it said the cracks that open between the audience and the artist does feel like you have, or you want to have that connection between the yeah. artist and the audience. That it did feel like that yeah. was quite important to you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's very much. Uh, I can't think of another word. It's like a prehension. It's not a comprehension. It's something... I feel the understanding of that, and I can't sort of do a plan to make that happen. Yeah. I can just sort of feel how I'd like that to happen. Yeah. And um, and what's interesting is we don't really do as much of the performance art at the moment in the gigs, yeah. but there's still that... That still happens, the, that relationality yeah, yeah. with the audience and it's not like audience participation because I'm not really a fan of forced participation I hate, it. I, I, hate you know? I, I really dislike that I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. almost scared of it but yeah. I'll gladly get up and do something yeah. if, if I get the urge yeah. to you know yeah I mean maybe it's 
I, you know, I didn't ever go to raves and things like that, but it might be like our version of that sort of communal uh, ritual, isn't it? It's a ritual yeah. where you're all, you all create the meaning together. I went to, um, there's a show called The Visitors uh, by an artist that I really like, but he's got a really complicated name. <laughs> and I, I always, because I, I think I am a bit dyspraxic or... Uh, it's Ratgar. He's called Ragnar Cartenson. Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. I don't know where I know the uh, name from. Well, well, he's good because I mean he also uses music and within his installations and he paints. But I went to his show, The Visitors, and I remember looking round at everyone in it, and it was like we've all got this feeling. And, and I don't uh, normally get that in art exhibitions where you sort of feel connected to the rest of the people in the gallery. Yeah. It's like, are you fe- are you feeling this? It's like you look at someone and uh, this is this is quite cosmic, isn't it? Something is happening to me as an organism, and you look at each other and you're and you're feeling it. Uh, so that experiential connection is is. Uh, Something I enjoy. Well, it it yeah. didn't feel like you was just singing one of your old songs. You know, you was doing your routine. Yeah. It felt like yeah. you were singing it for the first time. That that's um, emergence. You know, being <laughs> surfacing into the world <laughs> in the middle of things, uh, and that that's what uh, writing a song, making a painting. That that is singing it live and that's the thing that I try and uh, capture in in every bit of art yeah. that I do I suppose and in a way I was just reading about uh, William Blake because I'm uh, curating the Will- a William Blake exhibition and it, it one of his best poems that he, he writes about the fourfold vision which is uh, not the singular vision of uh, school sort of learning yeah, yeah. singular vision like we have fourfold vision and i you know that is really famous line but he actually just wrote it in a letter to his uh thomas butts it was a it was a letter you know so it's the way he didn't differentiate between the personal and his art yeah. it's all like one flow yeah. so uh that flow i suppose like our gigs are like just a point in time in that flow it it was as i say it was a really (laughs) unifying experience for me for someone that as i say i i I steer clear of of crowds to my detriment because i i mean i I know we've got mutual friends Stu whiffin and Stu is just an encyclopedia of musicians bands gigs yeah 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 he's always going on about the gigs he's been to and i would love yeah I'd love to be able to experience that when I hear him talk. Cause he's so bloody passionate about it. Yeah. And I, I yeah. do realise and feel that I've missed out on a lot because of that sort of fear of crowds, you know. But what can you do? Yeah. Which is for courses. Well, it? it's all changed now. Isn't <laughs> exactly. It? You're, like, yeah. you're, the, you're the new normal. <laughs> I'm thriving. You're, in a, it. you're ahead of the curve. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm an ex prisoner, so I'm used to being on my own. <laughs> No, none yeah. is like crowds. So this is my ideal environment at the moment. Yeah. What piece that you've created has got yeah. the strongest emotional connection with you? Ah, uh, that's that's a good question. Um, it's a couple. I think that a lot of my art post two thousand, uh, because I I did a lot of the childcare, uh, you know, because we both work. And um, so, like, being with my sons, they they were, like, coming into my art. And uh, I made a piece of art for Blakefest. Well, actually, I say I made it for Blakefest, but that's kind of reducing why I made it. Um, I was asked to curate Blakefest, you know, about William Blake. And I I was flattered. But at the same time, I thought, hmm, I'm not sure that I can connect to 
his art and the way it looks and feels. And then suddenly I realised that this piece I'd been planning um, would fit perfectly. And that ended up being a piece called Dandelion Visions, uh, which is on my website. And it's about how I was with my son, uh, Ralph, and I was driving him in the early morning to uh, his swimming lessons because he used to do like competitive swimming so he'd have to get up really early and the sun was coming up behind the trees and it was that time of year when there's like loads of dandelions and the air was uh, full of dandelion seeds and the sun shining through them so the piece ended up translating that to dandelion hyperdrive and I built a car and, and, and I read a poem within that space and the poem is about how time uh, becomes entangled because I realised the road I was on was the same one my dad used to drive me to school down and um, so the poem is like a a reflection and a churning over of art and human relations and how do we step outside of the strictures of human conceptual thought? Yeah, uh, because yeah. at that brief moment in the dandelion hyperdrive, I did. You know, I was there with my son at my side. And strangely, I was in his position looking at me as if I was yeah. looking at my own dad. And I remember in the poem, it says, uh, with a little luck was on the radio and I, I, I'm I, getting goosebumps now actually uh, because that's the Paul McCartney song and I remember that mixture of fear and optimism as my dad drove me to school with that song on the radio. Wow. So that piece, Dandelion Visions, is, uh, is kind of about, uh, yeah, just the temporal thinking of, Stepping outside of uh, linear thought and connect yeah, everything yeah. connects emotion and that that I suppose uh, brings emotion much more to the surface yeah uh, rather than it being a layered thing I love the idea that it's that the story is is about you it's about three generations yeah but there's only you who remember or know of that whole story yeah. and, and everything you've just said like you know yeah. your father and your son are, are, are going to be sort of um, ignorant to the fact of, of, of how much that little thing yeah. meant to you oh absolutely uh, yeah yeah I think that's really um, that that's that's sort of what I feel reality is is sort of it's all our drops of experience uh, all amassed together Rather than that's, that's what I, was, I was just about to say, that's what we're all built up, built up of yeah. is all of these little tiny experiences that yeah. bond us to everyone around us. Is, yeah, you know that, that's the strength that, yeah. that it gives us. Yeah, absolutely. It's really funny you should say that though, because my lately my dad, who uh, I've been having some great chats with, but he keeps saying you're you're probably too young to remember. And I'm going, <laughs> no, I was there. <laughs> yeah. Where do you go to relax, Mike? Or what do you do to relax? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do a, f- I do a few things. Um, I love uh, walking. Um, especially, I walk with my sons, um, which is good. Where do we go for our nice walks? I was... We've got a nice walk near us, Leechpool Woods. But, uh, oh, I tell you, I took Arthur, my eldest son, who's doing chemistry at university. We went to uh, Nep Castle, which is a ruin. And uh, things like that really helped me uh, relax and just enter another space. It's uh, it's this ruin that I've passed on on the, uh, it's not a motorway, it's a dual carriageway. But you see it from the side of the road. For years, I've seen it and just thought, oh, I want to go there. It, uh, and so, like, I parked in the road next to it, and you can't get through. And then yeah. uh, over lockdown, uh, it's on this estate called the Nep Estate, and they've opened themselves up for walkers. 
Um, it used to be a farm estate, but they've changed it into more of a rural safari experience. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I like I I went on it and I wandered round and round looking for the route to it, and eventually, after getting lost, I found it, and um, it was almost a religious experience. You know, it's just this weird arch uh, ruin with a lightning conductor on the top of it, on top of a mound. And I took Arthur there the other day, and um, and I was saying, oh, it's really weird, because you can get a bit lost here, even though it looks like a simple route. And lo and behold, yeah. we got lost on the way back. It, 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 and I was saying to him, that, that's brilliant, isn't it? If we got lost. Yeah. yeah. How far is it um, from like where you've seen it to, to where it actually is? Oh, yeah, well, when you drive past it, it's like you're about 30 yards away from it. But to get to it, you have to park about a couple of miles away. Oh, so it's a long old trip. Yeah, Yeah. and, uh, but beautiful. The other obvious thing I do to relax is meditate. I learnt TM because uh, David Lynch, uh, that's the meditation he learnt. And uh, have you ever tried meditation? No. Uh, well, um, last week it was a but it was a forced meditation, yeah. and I couldn't get on with it. Yeah, I was told that I should meditate with yeah. this person, and yeah, yeah, not my, it, but that, I didn't like that. Yeah, well, I have tried lots and uh, found it really difficult, and it's really weird because I went to learn, and uh, basically the guy teaching me is going, you know, the point about this is it's it's easy. And if you're trying it, you're not doing it properly, you know, so you've got to not try. And I, I, I kept wanting to go, that's really funny you should say that, because I've written a song about that. <laughs> it, and it was like, I'd come home. It's like, yeah. I'm not even going to try it. And uh, I, I, I totally got it. It's like, well, if you want to relax, you've got to become unencumbered. Yeah. And, um, and that, yeah. I mean, that helps with all sorts of stuff, really. <laughs> so. Now, I've, I've, I've always been tempted to do it, never, never really done yeah. it. It's, I, f- I feel so self-conscious when I'm about to start, and, and it's silly. It's, it's throughout my life, Mikey, I've held myself back yeah. with that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, I think we all do, though. Bloody you shame. know, it's like I was talking to Emma earlier, Emma Maguire, the artist, yeah. about how you've got to, like, get past the tripwires of your inner cynic that's what i found when i began to understand my own creative process is i somehow navigated my way past my inner cynic and uh found actually this stuff is really nutritious and helpful definitely so uh, well i've i've learned from from what you're talking about there i've learned to sort of rebel against that inner critic yeah um only in the last four or so years because i got to a point when i was sort of approaching my 50s yeah and i was like fucking i've let so many opportunities go by yeah where i've just been embarrassed or afraid of the consequences you know and or i've been in a gallery and i've not you know i've not vocalized an idea yeah and it's it's gone past and that is one of the reasons why i started this podcast yeah was because i i knew that i did have a voice but i was scared to sort of let anyone hear it um and then i realized that all of that's a load of bollocks yeah as they say any voice is welcome it just depends on how many people want to listen to it yeah absolutely yeah I mean, now I'm self-conscious. My wife even <laughs> said to me, did you have elocution lessons as a child? I was like, I don't know where... I, you know what I think it is? I mean, because when, even when I was at school, my uh, schoolmates would occasionally pick me up on speaking correctly because I speak yeah. quite clearly. And it might be yeah. because uh, I've got hearing loss, so I overcompensate. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But uh, but I do love words and the material vitality of words. So it could just be. See, I I love that as well. And yeah. funnily enough, when I started at UEL, yeah. the person that I pallied up with first of all was yeah. a guy called Pete. Yeah, he was similar age to me, but he had yeah. gone to um, 
military school. Wow. Um, when he was a child, you know, yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't even know there was such a thing over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was, and he spoke with such poeticness, if yeah. that's even a word. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Like we could both be talking about the same subject. Yeah. I'd say it in twenty words, and you'd be there twenty minutes listening to him talking about the same yeah, process. Going you know? around, and and then we were sitting chatting one time. And he said that he envies the way that I talk because yeah. I cut the fat off a, a conversation and just yeah. and get the same answer as yeah. him. Yeah. And he was saying how he over overthinks and overprocesses things. So that's when I realised that you know my voice is sort of as as valid as his, uh, although uh, in less words. It's rich. You know, there's some <coughs> richness to it. It's lovely. Yeah. You know, um, you know the classic art school pop. Uh, well, he's he's more Essex, isn't he? Ian Jury, you know, it's just like. And uh, who was at UEL as well at one point? He, yeah, I yeah. think he tutored there. Yeah, years yeah, ago at, yeah. At, at the old. Um, at Greengate. At the old site. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, Mike, if there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh yeah. Well, I think the first one's obviously going to be. Uh, Mr. Ragnar Carton's son. At, uh, we, I guess we could have Jonathan Mees in there. Yeah. That's M double E S E. AR Pink. Um, and a bit of C. I don't know AR Pink. Yeah, P, P E N. Is it C K or K? Yeah. So I'm going to be rude enough yeah. while you're talking. I'm going to have a look. Oh, P-E-N-C-K. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I like a bit of Pipilotti Wrist. She's like a filmmaker, immersive artist, R-I-S-T. And uh, I like Sigmar Polke, or Polk, P-O-L-K-E. Yeah. I was trying to... There's Laura Provost. Okay. Yeah, she's really cool. If you wasn't an artist, what would you like to be? Maybe uh, a forestry person. What do you call that? Yeah. A forester? A forester, yeah. Someone outside in the forest, yeah, doing a bit of tree husbandry. <laughs> so, but where did that idea come from, do you think? Well, I just, I love it. I love being in a forest and... And the trees, just the experience of that. Um, I was going to say the other thing that I would definitely like to do is be uh, a sailor. For I've ne- I'd like to know how to sail and be part of a crew. And yeah, Sai's the one to speak to. Oh well, Sai Sapsford. Well, she was at sea for seven years. Wow. Oh, I'll talk to her about that. <laughs> so you like the the open and and the the sort of being away from. From people, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was talking about that to a friend of mine. Um, uh, yeah, remotely through the internet. Um, how in lockdown, you know, that sort of isolation of going for a walk and people being on their own. And I was sort of thinking, yeah, I sort of get that, but I don't totally concur. It's like. Actually, when I'm in that is when I feel connected to everyone. And, yeah, yeah, that doesn't mean I don't want to be with people ever. It's just, (laughs) it's like realigning. Moments of solitude. Realigning my sense of connectedness. Yeah. Because, I mean, it it sounds sort of cosmic, but uh, I think it's fundamentally true that no, no one's added anything to the universe since the Big Bang. So it's no. all fucking the same stuff. Um, yeah. So it's all connected. <laughs> um, it's useful but to we... separate it, but it's not the factual be-all and end-all. Like I was yeah. lucky enough, my parents took us camping when I was growing up, and they weren't like uh, Keith in Nuts in May. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> that. They, they weren't. Yeah. They weren't like that. And, and it was relaxed, but it gave me that taste uh, for the landscape, the outside, that yeah. enfolding in of me and people, the landscape, you know. So last year, I sort of enforced 
uh, Meg and the boys, we, we went on like a canoe uh, trip uh, up nice. the River Ouse, is it, in Bedford. And the people that had the canoes, they, they had their own forest. So like we we paddled up to this forest, which was like a little uh, tributary off the main river. You go down it, and then we're in a forest, just us. Excellent. And uh, that was pretty uh, awe-inspiring. It was, I lo- you know, it was sl- it was a bit scary, <laughs> you know. Oh well, I was gonna say, uh, we haven't really talked about uh, the sort of the virtual and latency, but I got interested in um, the sort of half second delay that we get in this kind of conversation. And uh, one of the artist writers that I love is this guy Brian Masumi. Uh, I'll finish on this because he talks about um, how there were scientific experiments where they found that your sense of movement and touch actually happens prior to the bit of your brain that thinks it's deciding. So we fucking live in this realm where we think we're deciding everything. Yeah, okay. But actually, we're feeling much more than we realise. That's a scientist called Libet, and uh, it's the latency experiments. And uh, Masumi sort of said it's because the skin is faster than the word um oh yeah I like so that. uh and that's in his book uh parables for the virtual so what i love about that is like he wrote this like 10 years ago and uh and now suddenly here we are in the virtual and i just sort of thought it's like an opportunity because we're in the virtual to live in that more felt way because yeah. the the conceptual brain sees that realm as virtual because it's outside its understanding. So it's like, yeah, nice. have it. Finally there. <laughs> what have you got coming up at the moment? Yeah, at the moment um, I've got Blakefest and I've been curating that for the last three years and we're about to launch uh, the Blakefest website, which is Blakefest. Dot com uh, and, and it sort of emerges out my friend Rachel Searle sort of is the main director and she asked me to curate the art side and it's about the fact like Blake lived in Bogner Regis and that is where he wrote Jerusalem and Milton and Auguries of Innocent you know to see heaven in a wildflower all that that's like while well, he lived three years in Bogner Regis and yeah. it's about trying to bring that creative richness to the area but proliferate it far beyond. And um, so we've curated a new show uh, of public art, Corona Visions. And then I've asked some friends, I think I asked you, yeah. It's like, yeah. And I've made a show called Virtual <coughs> Visions, uh, which is all about, yeah, that, that realm of the excess beyond the algorithm, um, yeah. the virtual. Nice. Uh, and I've really enjoyed doing that. But I've written a song for uh, Blakefest because a friend was saying oh you should do something quite ambitious so I thought I'm going to I wrote this song um, as I walk in the garden and uh, I've made a film for it and uh, the David Devon have en- enriched oh, the nice. sound so we're nice. going to launch that song as I walk in the garden you know like Blake and the foot and the earth and the landscape and uh, the sort of transcendent transcendence of like the ordinary through through the landscape, you know. Yeah. So not something highfalutin, but just yeah, nice. passion. So I'm excited. Uh, well, hopefully, beginning of next week, we'll be launching it. Nice and easy Excellent. website, Blakefest.co.uk. Uh, yeah, so it was nice to to make a sort of a song, a poet, a poetic music video, bringing everything together. You know, which is like yeah. Blake, isn't it? Because he, 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 his art was songs and images and technology. He like muck fucked with technology yeah. to be yeah. innovative. Um, sorry to use a rude word, but it's kind of quite. It gets there, doesn't it? You know, it's like he got under the bonnet of what he could do with uh, printing technology. 
Um, and I sort of feel a bit like that with digital moving image technology. And yourself, where can anyone see your work, be it online uh, or social media? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there's a, there is a selection of my stuff on my website, mikeygeorgeson.com. And on Instagram, I'm slightly more tangential. I'm, blo- <laughs> I, I, you know, but I do post my morning drawings on blood and brambles. That's all words. That's Instagram. So I have a practice where every morning I get up, write three pages, and then I film a drawing as it emerges. I love those drawings, Mikey. Yeah. Them little linear. Yeah. I enjoy waiting to see what's yeah. coming. Up well, on. that. What is going to happen? That's the thing I love, emergence. So I don't know what I'm going to draw when I put the camera on. And it will undoubtedly be a mixture of neurosis and inspiration. Anyway, Uh, Mikey, that's all my questions asked. Awesome. So Thank you so much for your time. It was great to meet you. um, It's a total pleasure to be on your podcast, Gary, because I sat in that audience... And I thought, wow, that is someone who loves what they're doing. And that I love the fact that you just thought, you know what, I'm going to do this podcast. And you've done it with all these great names on there. Uh, I'm not just trying to flatter you, but so. Oh, um, splendid, thank you. Yeah, so I'm on that. And I I love that you know uh, Stu Whiffin. Yeah, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he's such a positive person. I love being, I love chatting to him. Well, there we go, Mikey Georgeson. I absolutely loved recording this episode. I hadn't met Mikey before, but I had heard him talk about his work. And I was well aware of how beautifully he could talk about it. And his exhibition, Blakefest, has just opened. You can go and find out more about that on his Instagram page, which is Blood and Brambles. And if you don't know of his group, David Devont and his spirit wife, just YouTube it. It is something of sheer delight. At the start of this podcast, I told you about my dark stars. This is an edition of handmade, hand-painted barbed wire stars. I made an edition of 30 in Christmas 2018, and they absolutely flew out. So this year, I've decided to make more. They're called the dark star because three wise men followed the bright star. And well, we all know the end to that story. However, Silly Bollocks here, several years ago, followed a dark star. We pretty much all know the end of that story as well. But as I say, these dark stars are handmade in barbed wire. The sizes vary. They are approximately 50 centimetres high and maybe 35 wide. And I know of the last edition, Gavin Turk had one, Carrie Reichart. Ben Ein had one, Marcus Harvey, Emily Malice, among many, many others. So this year, I've done several different colours. There is a black gloss, red, green, gold, silver and copper. And all of which are available on pre-order at £85 plus £10 UK post and packaging. And on November the 1st, the price goes up to £99 plus £10 UK post and packaging. You can see these on my Instagram page, which is MizogArt, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. So that's all for now, but like I say every week, on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, that really helps us get noticed and anybody else looking for an art podcast. So, thank you for listening, and until next week, ta Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.